Ooh, thanks for reading the book, by the way. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, Abe for sure read it. He always reads it. Because I was talking to everybody. I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be nobody. It's going to be nobody's read <laughs> this. And then I texted you. So I was like, cast. oh, well, well, for sure Abe's read it. So I texted you, and you're like, oh, I haven't. I was like, no. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the third episode of Expanding Horizons. Um, this is the month that we are discussing The Beekeeper's Promise. Uh, the Beekeeper's Promise is a novel by Fiona Valpi. Um, and here to discuss it with me today, I have Abe Wolfgang. Abe, how you doing? Greetings. Good. I think everybody else is busy booking flights to France for their yoga retreats. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a small cast today, just the two of us. So uh, we'll try to discuss the book for you all and make sure we cover all the aspects like we usually do. Uh, first of all, it is The Beekeeper's Promise by Fiona Valpi. Uh, Fiona is... Uh, author that's pretty into her writing career at this point. She's written six novels. Um, as far as I can tell, all of them are this sort of French historical uh, sort of style. Um, on her website, it said that she lived in France for seven years, so that's where she's taken like all of her inspiration for her writing. Yeah, I was going to say, and, she, she seems very enamored with France and everything about France. Yeah, she's not actually French. She just moved there and lived there for seven years. So she was very into the culture and the history and was inspired to kind of write in that world. Um, and the other thing of note about her novels is like many of the characters and locations that appear in this one are actually that can be seen in her other books. So, for instance, the, the book that she most recently put out uh, just this October it is actually the story of one of the main characters in this book's sister and her story in Paris. So, and then there's like another book that happened before this where it's way more focused on um, another character that you see in this book briefly, Sarah, who's the owner of the Chateau. Yeah, I saw that this was a like a pseudo sequel, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but I didn't feel like... I missed out by not having right. read those other books. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting to note. Yeah, and so essentially the Be Here's Promise, just to give like a brief overview of what the book is like, it's essentially two stories that are told in parallel. There is this one story of um, this girl, Abby, who's in like a modern day um, yoga retreat in, in like the countryside in France. And um, she meets these owners of a wedding venue out there and kind of ends up working for them and uh, kind of growing like in herself and working through some issues that she has. Um, and then there's a second story, which is told through the lens of the owner of the Chateau um, explaining the story to Abby. And that's the story of, um, how do I pronounce her name? Like Eli Eliane. I think it would be... Uh, yeah, Eliane. Eliane is um, the second main character with kind of a second 
parallel story that takes place in like a World War II era where the Nazis have invaded France and she um, is working at the same chateau as a beekeeper uh, and she ends up falling into working with the resistance against the Nazis and um, basically she is um, somebody that they use to try to communicate messages to the allies um, in you know under incognito and uh yeah so it's like sarah is telling abby the story of of elian and it's kind of like flips back and forth chapter to chapter of who you're following so it's kind of interesting the way it's written in that regard um yeah so that's just a brief overview what did you actually think of the the two stories abe i thought so i thought um like I like framed stories like this where you have um you know either something told in flash flashback or or um you know one story that's referring back to another story and they sort of mesh together um so i that that sort of appeals to me as as a storytelling device i guess um I always find it really fascinating um how you can how you can weave them together. Um, I thought I thought it was good. I I enjoyed the story while I was reading it. Um, I think I think the framing fell down a little bit in the middle, where when we're flashing back to the present day, you ended up with really short, like one-page chapters of basically exposition of what you just read about. Um, I thought like I thought I got a little weak towards the middle, but sort of recovered near the end. Um, but it didn't. Overall, I don't think it it didn't make me want to put it down. It just made me a little bit annoyed, I guess. Um, I still wanted to read it, so I thought um, I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I noticed the same thing in the middle where I was kind of interested to see more stuff about Abby's life, and it would flip back to her character. And I'd be like, oh, cool, not time to like refresh with Abby for a little bit, and it'd be like super short, and then it'd be back into like a kind of long-winded chapter for Elyon. Yeah, and, and and like not really giving you anything from Abby. Yeah. Like it I almost, feel like there was a lot more she could have done with that. Yeah, it almost seemed like she just didn't know like she had kind of like an initial like a start to her story and like how where she wanted her to end in the conclusion, but didn't really know how to like progress besides the fact that she was growing based on the story that was being told to her. Right. So, I, I I did enjoy that they had that built-in mystery of a, like, you know, what happened with her marriage, what happened to her husband, you know, what's actually going on with her that she doesn't want to talk about. Um, so that yeah, cause, kept me interested in her as a person, but I wish that would have come out more, a little more organically because the way it sort of ended up coming out, it seemed like was, something would happen to Elyon, like, um, you know, they don't, uh, like, there's a long Elyon chapter about how it was hard because they didn't have access to a lot of food and they had rationing and stuff. And then it would flip back to Abby and it would, it would have her sort of thinking, wow, it must have been really hard for them not to have much food. And I'm sitting right. there like, yeah, I know, I just read that, right? Like, I understand. <laughs> um, and then, and then she'd relate that to something in her marriage with, um, um, the jerk that she was married to. Um, 
and and how that sort of relates and then it would just immediately flip back to elian again so i felt like those were those were the ones where i just i was like i wanted to skip them <laughs> almost yeah i also felt like elian's story in the beginning was was weak like i don't know if the story was weak it was just kind of boring to me like before the before the Nazis showed up and everything, like there was a bunch yeah. of exposition about her and the Chateau and like all the characters there and everything. And I was way more at that time. I was way more interested in Abby's stuff mm-hmm. because the beginning of Abby's story very much seemed to me like a, um, like something you would see in like a modern, uh, like kind of, uh, like a chick flick almost. Yeah. Or like, even, or, or even there's a new, there's a Netflix series. Um, series virgin virgin river i think it's called that just came Mm -hmm. out it's very it's very much like this where like there's this woman and you know she has some kind of secret and she's not talking to people about it but you you know you're trying to like drill into that and she's obviously had some trauma in her past but you don't really know what it is and it's slowly coming out as the story progresses it's very it's a lot like that i felt like yeah and i liked the the character being uprooted and like put in this foreign like yoga retreat like exploring all that kind of stuff so it it was definitely like a more cinematic experience to me at the start and i was just kind of like it would flip to elian for a while and i'd be like this just feels like i'm reading like history and i'm like i don't it's boring to me and then you know the nazis show up and all you know stuff starts going crazy and then right it kind of flips where i'm not caring about abby as much because yeah that that is interesting much about her yeah i don't think i i don't think i struggled um as much in the early part with eliana like i was still engaged with it but i think it's weird because it hinges on she's telling you a lot by putting the date at the start of the chapter right um and then it's sort of on you as the reader to understand historically what's about to happen and what's going on at that time um and then so so like for me that sort of built into the anticipation of oh how how's this going to break bad when things break bad you know like is your brother going to have to go to war you know so i was thinking all these things mm-hmm. as i'm reading this um and so that sort of colored my my read of the early part of her story but i think that is that is interesting like i I totally get where you're coming from yeah so we we've discussed a bit about uh abby and elian Uh, are there any other uh specific characters that you thought were like special and we mentioned sarah she's like the owner owner of the chateau yeah i think um i mean i think they're all like fairly well fleshed out as at least the historical characters i feel like they were all yeah. interesting in their own ways i didn't like i didn't really latch on to anybody as like oh this is my favorite character or this character is terrible um i thought she had like a really cool mix of people like from um stephanie who's like this conniving um uh flirtatious woman trying to like get all the men that elian is interested in or that that is interested in elian mm-hmm. um and then there's like, um, I I did latch on, and I sort of wanted more of of there was this sort of like budding friendship between um, Jacques and Eve, the right the brother and the and the spy guy, um, like the second love interest kind of yeah yeah um, so I thought that was cool, and and I also enjoyed how she had sort of this 
almost triangle of people that were interested in her. And at a certain point, I was like, why are all the men like all interested in her? <laughs> like what? You know what I mean? That's a little like yeah. Mary Sue-ish, but like <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I decided to like the, the romantic tension and drama. Yeah. Like I mean, um, I... the main love interest. Uh, I know it's probably pronounced like Mateu or something like that, but I think, it, yeah, Matthew, I, I, I kept saying Matthew in my head. That's, so. yeah, that's, I'm going to say Matthew. <laughs> um, he, I don't, I don't know if I really liked him too much. He just seemed kind of like a generic, like perfect guy, and then <laughs> kind of just like left her pretty quickly without giving her a chance. And I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if how that could have been handled better. Um, you can tell what she's trying to do with these characters of like having her fall out of love with this guy and then love somebody else. And then, Oh, it turns out he's actually okay. You know? Um, yeah, cause like the, the conflict there was like, she believed Matthew was working for the Nazis and Matthew believed that she may be like seeing other men while he was away because she had this scarf and the the scarf the headscarf was used to like signal the allies yeah like we know as the reader but she can't tell anybody that yeah so, and, and the fact that she wouldn't talk to him about anything but also he wasn't talking to her about stuff like he's trying to he's trying to get in from at least how i read it was that like during their meeting he was asking about resistance activity and stuff and and she was like oh i can't tell him about anything but i think he was fishing for hey are you involved in this because i am too like um and he didn't really get the like the reciprocation of that so they both felt like they were on different sides of this issue so i felt like that happened like pretty quick and then he was just like ah i'm done yeah (laughs) come back to my dad i guess we're not in love anymore now i was like oh okay that happened quickly (laughs) So I was I had a kind of a little bit of a problem with that, and then uh, Jack comes around, or Jacques who becomes Jack later. <laughs> Jack Jack Connolly. Yeah. Um, I prefer I of... prefer his French last name la- last name Lamatre. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. There's a lot of French in this book. And yeah, like, I I, I wouldn't pronounce about that. or like know any of it. Like what yeah, there's like French phrases and. Um... There were a couple German ones too, weren't there? Yeah, I just kind of skipped over it when it came up. Yeah, that's fair. It's like um, if you've ever if you've ever read any books by Jean Le Carre, um, he he writes like spy thriller stuff, um, older older books. Um, but it, it's very similar to that, where he'll just like throw French in there and not translate it for you. It's like either you look it up yourself, or you just kind of gloss over and say, "Well, they said something I don't know." yeah and then like even trying to like pronounce it like sure i don't know that yeah that was something i struggled with a little bit other than that it was written pretty easily um just to get through no problem yeah the the writing style was very fluid um it's not she doesn't write in a way that makes you sit down and really like think about what you're reading you can just kind of blast through this book um like I think it only took me six hours to read it, so yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty quick. Um, yeah, other other characters. I think the um, 
I forget his name, but there's like one German guy that's nice to Elion like the whole time. Oh yeah, the uh the Ober Lieutenant. Yeah, and uh he's like her best customer at the market and stuff mm-hmm. like that and kind of like takes a liking to her. Well, yeah, it's like he like he's also enamored by her. That's that was like when he started right being affectionate <laughs> toward her, I was like, Okay, come on. Like everybody loves her. She's the yeah. perfect woman. She's she's incredible. But like he he's pretty important i think for like two two reasons because he adds like conflict to um people thinking she may be like fraternizing with the enemy and then also he comes in at the end of the book and kind of saves their lives by warning them that the nazis were coming to like destroy everything yeah i i thought it was kind of interesting i couldn't tell i guess his name is farber isn't it um because he's like a he's a German guy, right? He's not a French guy. He's just like German guy that knows French. Yeah, I think he's I think he's German. Um, because he was always very like he always seemed a lot more interested in the the well being of the people around than the generals did. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to protect the family, and but he also had a job to do, so he was torn between like, okay, I, I have to take you, you know, I have to take your mother to the Gestapo. I don't want to, but I have to. Right. And then we have, um, let's have a couple more. Blanche, who is, well, I guess, uh, Abby, or not Abby, uh, Elian's sister is probably worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Like, it's like, like Miri. I looked it up earlier. It's like, Mi- it's almost Mary. Like Miri oh, yeah. or something. Um, but like Miriel, because yeah. yeah. So she is off in Paris. She works like with couture, and she's like a seamstress. Mm-hmm. And when the Nazis first invade, they all evacuate, and she ends up hooking up with this family to travel. And they have a baby named Blanche, and then essentially the baby's parents get killed in like bombings and stuff like that. And like a strafing run that this plane does, and Blanche and or she ends up bringing Blanche back to the chateau, and basically Eliane kind of becomes her mother. Yeah, I, I thought it, it was a little more weird. like big, more like big sister, because um, it seemed yeah. like you know their their mother sort of took in this baby. Um. But they, like, forge documents for her to, like, make sure that the Nazis aren't going to, like, take her away because she supposedly belongs with her family. Right. And Mary, like, her sister at some point is like, I'm going to go back to Paris now. And just kind of yeah. leaves her there. Yeah, I, I thought, thought that I was thought kind that was strange. of... strange. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I guess maybe that would have been... A sentiment that that a person would have had back then, but I feel like if I was in that situation, I'd be like, "No, I'm staying here," you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I saw what happened in Paris, I don't want to go back there. Um, yeah. So she says it's because like the owner of the business could lose the business if, yeah. they, if she doesn't go help them, and she thinks that there's other people that she can help in Paris if she's there. Right. So she wants to help, like working with basically working with the resistance. In the pair in Paris instead of out at the chateau. Um, and then Blanche is kind of 
She she's important just because of like I don't know, there's a couple of things that happen with her. Like there there's this one section towards the end where the Nazis are trying to get supplies through on a train and they basically like stick Elian and Blanche on the front of the train as like hey, don't blow up this train because there's people you like on the train, so you'll hurt them if you hurt us. And I don't know. I don't really know why else she was around just to yeah, I think I think it sort of get well. Probably part of it just being, hey, this this sort of thing happened back then, um, but also it 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 gives you a little bit more at stake for Elian. But at the same time, like the first chapter of the book is Elian is an old woman, so like you know she makes mm-hmm. it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a little bit weird. It seemed weird to me. I was like, why would you give that away at the start? But maybe you don't want people to be stressed out. Yeah, I guess. And then uh, the the last character that I was thinking of was um, Abby's husband, who died in a car accident before she came on this oh, retreat. Yeah. And at first you're you're thinking... Oh, it's so sad. Her husband died in a car accident. And she's trying to like get through that grief mm-hmm. on this yoga retreat. And then as Abby's story un- unfolds, you find out he was actually like super abusive. And then towards the very end of the book, you find out like she actually pulled the steering wheel to make the car crash. Yeah. So... Did, like as, as it sort of went on, were you starting to, to um, think like, Oh, did she actually kill him? Like, yeah, like, was this, like is I this why sure. she's messed up? Because like she actually tried tried to murder him or something? Yeah, because in the beginning you're like, oh, it's a happy coincidence, I guess, that she's out of or he's out of her life now. Right. But yeah, there's like this whole she explains this whole uh, conflict in the car where he is getting very upset with her because she got a text message from somebody. Like he's that to that point of being abusive, like and controlling. Yeah, it's a very toxic relationship and he like starts steering into a tree like on the passenger side and she like gets the willpower to over overpower the him on the steering and turns it to where he ends up dying in the car accident and she's injured yeah which is which is kind of crazy <laughs> to think about it's just nuts um i mean it, it's it's a situation that sort of absolves her morally from, you know, it's not murder, it's self-defense type thing. Um, and she didn't necessarily, she didn't necessarily target to kill him. She was just trying to save herself. Kind yeah, of. So, I guess. <laughs> it's, yeah, if, I don't if, know. yeah, if it was, if it was the opposite, if it was like they were just driving down the road, she saw a tree and then she and then it. purposely steered into it. That would be different, I feel like, but. But she does say, like, she told the police that she was the one that pulled the steering wheel. Yeah. Caused the accident. And then, like, they rule that it was just intoxicated driving or something, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's, like, the her whole uh, character arc is based around that toxic relationship and her recovering from, from uh, just being controlled her whole adult life, essentially. And learning that she has inner strength and is able to like pull through that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, 
I think that's all the characters I wanted to mention. There's a bunch of other characters in the book, but I don't, I don't think we have to go over like all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe the other character that I enjoyed reading was the was the Count de Bellevue. Um, right. Okay. Who's sort of the mastermind behind some of the plots um, that the the resistance forces were were doing. Um, he's the one that sets up Alion with the with the scarf so that she can walk around. Or do her dance, as he says, um, which ties in with the bees. Uh, yeah, but I, I think like that parallel. You know, it was it was it was cool to read him because you're like, here's you know, here's an old guy who loves his country and is just trying to do what he can in his situation. Yeah. So, um, setting was a huge part of this book. I mean, it's it's like historical France and modern day France. And basically, like, it it's hugely important to the way the story progresses, like, where they're at. Yeah, and I think you can tell that this is a person that has physically been to the locations um, that she's writing about, or, you know, like, representative locations, essentially. Um, she understands the weather, she understands, uh, like, the sort of the local culture um, and and how people act. And just what the what France feels like, and I felt like that came through really well, which was which was nice. Yeah, like every all the descriptions of of any sort of like new location always were super vivid and pretty pretty perfect for providing that uh, like French landscape. Yeah, it, it you know definitely it's one of those books where, at least in in my case, when you finish it, you're like, Oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll go visit France. I, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. And like I mentioned, um, in her about stuff that she, when they were in France, they like rebuilt this farmhouse. So I think that's kind of where they, yeah. She draws a lot of like rebuilding, like the chateau and stuff. Yeah. yeah they were, they were redoing the mill house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely, you like, you can see, you can see this author in the book, which is not bad. Um, you can you you can just see um her personality in there which is which is fine um well, I, we kind of talked a lot about different things that happened in the plot but overall do you think uh each through through line was like engaging yeah i think and and i think maybe in the middle like we've talked about she was trying a little bit too hard to parallel the two Mm-hmm. Um and and made it but to like one of the notes I wrote down while I was reading this was I don't really like like it when books talk to me directly and that's how I <laughs> sort of felt in the middle. Right. Um where where I'm al- almost being, you know, retold something and like like she's really trying to make sure that I understood a, a certain thing that happened. Um which makes me a little bit frustrated it didn't like i said it didn't really pull me out it just kind of made me roll my eyes as i was reading it like please can we not do this um but but yeah like in terms of plot i felt like you know both both storylines were interesting and um kept me engaged but um the the present day storyline with abby was definitely like the the beginning of the book and the end of the book were were much more interesting to me than the middle parts yeah i think 
the beginning and middle kind of flip-flopped for me, like I had said earlier. So that kind of worked to the, to the book's advantage. Like, if you have one, one plot line in your book and part of it's not particularly strong, it's just like a bad part of the book, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have two that are running in parallel and one of them kind of is lacking and then the other one is strong at that time, it kind of keeps the overall experience pretty decent. Yeah, that's so. that's interesting that you say it that way because that's that's you know that's why I wasn't thrown out because if it was just the Abby story in the middle, I would have not been able to keep going. I would have had to take more breaks right. because it was rough. Um, you know, just by itself. I mean, it was very short, so I guess maybe that's the other saving grace is that each time it flips back to her, um, it was literally just like a page or two pages. Yeah, I wish I almost wish we got more Abby, like more interaction with her friend that was there for the yoga retreat. Like she just kind of disappeared yeah. at some point in the book. Yeah, and and you know, there's this like love interest that pops up at the end. You're like, oh, where'd this guy come from? Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, I feel like there's definitely more that could have happened there. Um, and in the beginning of the book, there's a lot of talk about Abby's friend that's there with her, and then also yeah. this other guy that her friend has like kind of yeah. fallen in with. Yeah. You could have figured out what happened in that subplot. You know, that so could have that, been interesting. That could, yeah, it could have been a little interesting side story just to round things out. Um, the conclusion to the book I thought was, uh, I didn't expect it to go the way it did. <laughs> like you get towards the end of the book and Sarah is like, by the way, the characters I've been telling you about are like, some of them are still alive and they're like, here yeah you can meet them in real life <laughs> and abby's like freaking out about it, mm-hmm. it uh, i don't know how i feel about that part of the book like it, it was it a little seems weird she's like abby meets elion elion's like 90 100 something like that yeah she's super old and abby's just like fangirling over her story yeah <laughs> Which I thought was like really awkward. Yeah, yeah. I I also felt awkward. Like, um, I, I don't know, because it seems but, like Sarah had been talking to Eliana about, hey, there's this girl that's staying with me, and she's really interested in your story, and I told her all these things. But yeah, right. it's like it was very fangirly. Like, like you know, she's like recounting the times, like, oh, and that one time, oh, you're still alive, and. You know, <laughs> You used to do the bees and stuff. These are the actual bees. And then she had like the scarf and she's like, this is the scarf. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a line in particular that like when she first saw Elian, she's like, I would recognize her anywhere. And I was yeah. like, what? How? What are you talking about? <laughs> I've never seen her before. Right. You've had a younger version of her described to you mm-hmm. from a, from a third party. So I don't know that. But it it was a surprising ending for me. And then, like, Blanche was still alive, and she was, like, an adult. Right. Yeah, she was, Um, like, in her 60s or something, 70s. So that was interesting to see. I don't know. Elion, her side of it also seemed weird because she acted like it was normal for people to just be constantly, like, gushing about her world war ii story oh. and she's like she's kind of like oh yeah that happened over and then she's like mm-hmm. oh yeah dear like here look check check this out this is my scarf that i yeah. have yeah 
And basically almost to the point where I was thought she was going to be like, here, let me sign an autograph for you. Like, (laughs) go away, go away, fangirl. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was a little bit bizarre. I, I guess it, I don't know. It it might tie in a little bit with the, um, the book talking to me of this, just like really trying to drive this point home. Um, that, that the book is trying to make, but, um, I, I definitely felt the same way as you of of like this is an awkward situation, but once again it was very short, and yeah. I kind of got through it. And I was like, oh well, I guess that happened. So I guess that's it. That's the end. Yeah. And at the end, it's like I think that like the last couple of things that happen in the book are, are like Abby starts to feel comfortable with herself. She's like in a social situation, and she doesn't feel like she shouldn't be there and like kind of discovers that she has this inner strength that she didn't know she had and that she can be like an individual again. So that's her arc is to like kind of repair her, her psyche from her relationship over the course of the novel. Right. Yeah. I think I feel like there was an extra chapter at the end that I didn't want to be there. Um, because they have the final that they have the final wedding scene right with the with mm-hmm. Sarah's friend, um, and and then everyone like goes out and dances in the rain. And I wanted the book to end like I wanted that to be the last scene, you know, like um she dances with this guy right, and then like yeah, the end like cut fade to black, um, but then we get like this extra, oh hey I'm going back to Paris and blah blah blah, and I was like I don't. I don't care about any of this you know i don't know if you felt that way yeah it, the the last like page or so actually kind of i feel like the author and this kind of ties into our ne- our next topic theme um the author kind of wanted to make sure like her idea of what the theme of the novel was was driven home so yeah she put again, that last chapter yeah in. just really trying to get it in there so the the title of the book is the beekeeper's promise. So I wanted to make sure I I knew what that meant. So I paid attention to that in particular throughout the book. So I have a couple of notes. Oh yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know. Cause I couldn't, I don't know that I tied it in really well. So there's, and I didn't, I stupidly didn't mark down like where in the book, this stuff came up. I think the first one's like fairly early on, but Elian says, um, I think we should promise that we will stay true to ourselves no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get. We should hold on to that truth. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so I'm like, oh, promise. Like, that's that's the beekeeper's mm-hmm. promise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an, the initial part of, like, this is what the author wants the theme of this novel to be about staying true to yourself and having the strength and courage to do what you know is right and you know, holding on to that truth as she says. And then later, um, Abby actually references that line. She says, she says something about how it was a reminder of Elian's vow to stay true to herself. Mm. So they bring mm-hmm. that up again. And then on like the last page or so, uh, Abby is like, like Sarah's leaving. And then, um, she's talking like she's basically talking to you again, like you're saying. Right. But it says 
Uh, it's a story of ordinary, everyday courage, a story about the determination to stay true to yourself through the darkest times, so that when, at last, you cross back to safety, you can find your voice again and live your life free from fear. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, like, those... That theme of staying staying true to yourself or having, you know, strength in hard circumstances, I feel like, um, was very, very evident throughout, um, which I liked, which I, I thought was, I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was overplayed, as I've mentioned a, a few times now, um, in that she sort of talks straight to you. Um, but a lot of times, like when I'm reading a book or, or watching a movie, I'm, I'm waiting for the punchline. There's usually like a theme punchline I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was the toast where she says, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Um, it's one of those, oh, sure. it's one of those gut punch, like punchline theme punchline. Hey, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to actually say what I'm trying to say. Like that could um, be on a movie poster. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which ties it, you know, it's, it's the same idea of what, of what you were saying. Um, you know, I think it's so a slightly different take on that maybe, but, um, you know, the idea of, of being strong in the storm. And there's a lot of weather stuff that happens in this book. Like, um, the huge storm that hits at the start that forces Elian to not go back to the yoga retreat, but stay with Sarah to begin with. Right. Um, and then there's some, there's some storm stuff that happens in the middle, um, where you learn different things, but, um, yeah, I thought, you know, it it sounds like we're sort of we sort of picked up on the same things, which is it's hard not to pick up on it. I think in yeah, this it's one. it's but... very shoved down your throat, like, and both like both women have these dire circumstances that they're in, and they have to have their their own truths and inner strength to to come through the end. So it's like. Let me show you this from multiple perspectives and really spell it out at the end also like yeah yeah which is i mean i mean it's not it's not terrible i i really dislike the idea of of talking directly to readers like that but um you know i've seen worse i guess so um this isn't this isn't like the most egregious example of trying to really drive your your uh, point home. Um, it was it was tolerable, I guess. Right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, it's it's an easy read. It gives you a nice message. It's entertaining. It doesn't have to be like you know a masterpiece or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's very wholesome and it's um it's meant going, to be encouraging, which I think is good. Yeah, kind of going back to like referenced at the beginning of this podcast where I said it kind of seemed like a chick flick to me. Like it kind of seems like that, um, not like a regular like rom com, but like one of those like uh, like Eat Pray Love or like something like Oh yeah, Sister of the Traveling like, Pants. Uh, yeah, like inspirational like sure female empowerment stuff which i i will Julia watch those movies like yeah I'll, I'll watch that stuff all the time just to like you know feel good so Fair. yeah yeah it, de- it definitely felt that way when you're reading it it's like this is a this is sort of a feel good this is like a vacation book you you would take to the south of france and read while you're sitting and sipping your tazan or whatever yeah um, like plenty of 
hardship and struggle, but like they kind of, you know, not everybody makes it, but most most people make it. And the, yeah, and and that's right probably that's probably why she sort of gives away the the hey, this person made it through at the start, yeah. um, which is fine. It's not meant to be like a mystery. I mean, it's definitely like it's still half the book or more. Probably the majority of the book is Elion's part. So, yeah. Um, most of it still happens in in World War Two, which is not like a pretty thing. And there right. are some very dark, some some dark imagery in there. Like there there is some, especially towards the end where you get like all the people that are hanging and stuff like that. Yeah, and and like they you know they go in and they shoot the count. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, just destroying stuff as they leave, which you know happened. Um. So she so stays true pretty, to like the history kind of stuff. Yeah. It, de- it definitely is like visceral, and they and they do they touch on the Holocaust stuff a little bit. Um, with her friend that they help smuggle. Yeah, out. and they mention the camps a bunch of times. Yeah, but you don't you don't ever really see that stuff. Yeah, so it's not you know it's not as dire as some other World War Two stuff, but. But yeah, despite all that, it's, it's still kind of like a feel good story overall so that's kind of all we have lined up to discuss um this is a short cast but we kind of we don't have just a ton of of people don't have a ton of people to to bounce uh opinions off of so um we needed uh we need sam in here to talk about how it relates to parenting yeah Somehow, I mean, there is Blanche. I'm there is sure. there is parenting in this book. There's there's parenting in here. The so continues. Parenting theme moves goes on with the <laughs> every month of expanding horizons. Um, but yeah, we can move into like kind of closing thoughts here. Um, so just like a couple closing thoughts and your thumbs up down. Like, would you recommend the book? Yeah, I think I think we sort of touched on a lot of how I felt about this book already. So I, you know, I don't want to reiterate too much, but sure. You know, I, I give it a little, the the thumb tilts down a little bit for the, uh, overplaying of the theme and sort of talking to me as a reader, but I don't think it's enough to like pull me to a not recommended. Um, I don't think, I wouldn't even say it's close to enough. I think, you know, I think the, the combination of this being really easy to read, like really fluid writing style, um, that's really approachable. Um, the character development was great. Um, it the storylines were interesting, and I thought they were thought out really well. And and just coupled with the fact that she has this firsthand experience with this is what France is like, and really gets you set into that scene. Um, I think you know really pulls you along through this book, and I was able to read it pretty quickly. So um, I definitely. I mean, this is supposed to be our drama month, right? But this is definitely right. like historical fiction. Um, very firmly in the historical fiction camp. So I would definitely recommend this to anybody that's like a Downton Abbey person. I feel like um, <laughs> lines up pretty well. Um, so like um, like I said, my, my wife definitely would just would like this book. So I would definitely recommend it to that type of person and also i enjoyed reading it i would recommend it to myself um even though it's not something i would pick necessarily for myself um 
So I thought it was pretty good. It's it's a book you can take to the beach and read and blast through it. Or on uh, Christmas holiday, which I guess is already passed by the time this goes out. Yeah, but you know we we the same idea. The course of that. So next next, uh, next Christmas, pick this one up. <laughs> this like distinctly summery book. Like, yeah. Yeah, for Christmas. It'd be a good summer break read. Yeah, so my my closing thoughts are sort of similar to yours. I definitely had ups and downs with the different um, threads through the book, but kind of it all kind of existed there to propel me through. Um, Something was always like interesting going on, so um, kind of enjoyed it for that. This is not something like. I would ever pick up myself if like I was just at a store looking for a book. I would have never even glanced at this one, but because it came up as a book that got voted into book of the month um, and I read it, I actually ended up enjoying it. So I would actually end up recommending this to especially people that like historical fiction, like, um, Anybody that's not just like a sci-fi or strictly sci-fi or fantasy reader, like anybody that reads anything more nonfiction or historical fiction or anything like that, I think would be super into this. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like her other books, I wouldn't, like now that I've read one of her books, for example, I don't think I would go and grab another one necessarily um, just to read for myself because... It's sort of outside of my interest area, my main interest area, I guess. Um, right. But, but at the same time, you know, if some, if like my wife, for example, was like, "Hey, I'm gonna read the next book by her," I'd be like, "Hey, I'll, I'll read that with you." You know, like I wouldn't be opposed to that. So I think it, it was nice to sort of get a glance into a different sort of uh, world of reading. Yeah. Not bad at all. So this is, I think, technically going to be end up being the highest rated book that we've done because we oh, only man, have 100%. thumbs up. Hundred percent thumbs up. <laughs> five out of five stars. <laughs> so yeah, um, I know it's a short cast, but that was our discussion of the Hewers Promise. Um, I was Alex, and this was Abe with me. Thank you. Um next month we're doing autobiographies so we ended up choosing uh, Nerd Do Well by Simon Pegg um nice uh, little pun there in the title <laughs> pretty excited about that one Simon Pegg's like one of my favorite actors so he should be an interesting read um and yeah we'll see you guys that should be out the 1st of February for autobiographies, so see you guys then. This episode was edited by me, Alex McCoslin. Other voices include Abe Wolfgang, And that's it. That's it this episode. Look out for our next episode on February 1st, 2020, where we'll be discussing Simon Pegg's autobiography, Nerd Do Well. 
and take a look at other content over at wearethehorizon.com. Also, be sure to check out the last two podcasts in the feed. They were both special casts. The first was recorded before we went to PAX Unplugged 2019, and the second after we returned. Listening to both gives a unique look at the expectations and realities of attending a convention like PAX. So once again, thank you for joining us, and see you all in February. February.